I was uh, I was remembering that uh, the narrative tool or a, a writing tool that's used very often is about uh, how to how to sort of surprise people. And one of those writing tools they, you find in movies, you find it in uh, authors as they write books and such. It's called the big reveal. The big reveal really is about uh, at the sometimes usually in the late part of the movie or the play or the writing or the whatever's going on, uh, there's, a, there's a twist. There's a, a reveal of a, a character no one expected. And, and the, the aspect of the big reveal is that maybe there's little hints, but no one could see it coming. <laughs> let me, let me, let me uh, give you a, an example uh, from a movie. So remember when the little boy said, I see dead people. And you know, all of a sudden you realize, Bruce Willis, you're dead, and nobody knew it. <laughs> At the end, it's like, ah, what's going on? And that, that's, that's a big reveal. Or, or this is one everyone will know. How about, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> big reveal. Boy, wait a minute. The bad guy, the main bad guy, the, boy, the one everyone hates and, and loves hating, and, and the, is, is the father of our hero, Luke Skywalker? Come on, that's crazy. The thing about uh, Star Wars is they just did that on and on. They kept doing big reveals. No, there's another Skywalker, you know, and they keep surprising you and, and moving. That's a big reveal. Let me do, let me do one more. This is, this is the biggest. It's the best. Uh, Mary, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> oh, you think that wasn't a big deal? Imagine what Mary felt like. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. I've never even been with anyone. I'm a virgin. How is this possible? And this is the incredible part because this is the part that just changed everything. This was the big reveal that we celebrate. That's what Christmas is all about, is understanding the big reveal. John chapter 1, verse 14. This verse has been in my heart for the last couple of weeks. It says, the Word, God's Word, became flesh. The Logos became pathos. It became flesh. It became substance and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son. You see, Jesus came to be seen. It was really about that. Who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He was full. He came as a little bitty baby. He had to grow up into a boy and into a man, but he was completely man. He was, he was all man. He was all God. And, and that's attacked. Even before I get into the message or anything, that is what people have a hard time with. They understand, well, wait a minute. He was probably a good man. He probably did good things. But he was God himself. He was God in flesh. We sing about all kinds of things at Christmas, right? Sing about angels. Sing about shepherds. Sing about Mary. We sing about the wise men. We even sing about the little drummer boy who happened to just show up in the manger with Jesus. <laughs> Come on, let's all sing it. No, just kidding. So we sing about all this, but one of the, the songs that I love the most, it's hard to sing actually, but it's filled with such theology and such good understanding of what this is really all about is Hark the Herald Angels. Hark the Herald Angels. You got that? Uh, but there was, there's a line in it that, that is just so powerful that I want to draw your attention to. That is something to help us understand. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity, pleases men with men to dwell. 
Jesus are Emmanuel. Emmanuel was God with us. God is with Jesus actually became flesh. But there's a, a word that if I was writing it today, I would rewrite it. Uh, Charles Wesley was an incredible uh, author and, and uh, wrote amazing hymns. But I would just change veiled to revealed. Revealed in flesh. Because you see, Jesus did not walk around with a veil in front of him going, I'm God. Whoop, you see that? <laughs> I'm God. Whoop, you see that? He didn't do that. He wasn't just carrying around a veil. He wasn't veiled in flesh. He became flesh. He became flesh. He was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, and he actually, God, the, the, the Son, became flesh. We need to understand that. That is amazing. That is uh, the word that's not in the Bible but expresses that idea is incarnation. That comes from, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, carnal, carn, carn, flesh. It comes from flesh. Flesh, in flesh. He is in flesh. He is living among us in flesh. The Son, fully Son, fully God, this is who God is. This is Jesus coming. That's the big reveal. That's what God did. That's what God came to do is to help us see that. So this morning, I want to talk about the big reveal. <laughs> the big reveal in a way that might surprise you. In a way that you're going to go, oh, okay, wait a minute. I, 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 don't, I understand that, but I don't understand this. Because the big reveal is not just something that is later. It's not just something that is, you know, uh, happened a long time ago. It's something that you're going to live in your life today in every aspect, the big reveal. So I want us to talk about that and talk about what God is able to do in, in our life. You know, because you see, he came to be seen. We didn't know God. We could not know God. We couldn't see God. Anyone that would see God would die. So Jesus came, God himself, uh, revealed in the flesh so that we can understand him, so that we could see him in a way. And we say, oh, that's God. That's what God looks like. That's what Jesus is, to be seen. You see, the prophets would yearn for, for, uh, for hundreds and thousands of years. What was this going to be like? What was the big reveal? And there was hints of it, and there was little prophecies here and there, and there's little, little teasers there. This is what the big reveal is. This is it, it, it was going to be God himself becoming man. That's amazing. God becoming man. They, they had a, thought they had an idea of what it might be, but they couldn't really understand it. They looked into the scriptures and looked into the words and yearned for it, but they couldn't get it. God with us. God with us. But God with us, Emmanuel, was only the beginning of the big reveal. There's so much more. There's so much more. And we need to see each one of the reveals and understand how it applies in our life. God with us. God came with us. But the disciples also learned that the other big reveal is that God heals us. God heals us. And as much as people struggle with the first one, God with us, and that it was all God. We also struggle sometimes with God heals us. God cares. God can actually heal my body. God can actually heal my family, my life, my situation. God actually heals us. That's the second big reveal. The disciples stood there in amazement and thought, wow, God heals us. So God is with us. Then the reveal was God, is, God heals us. 
And then, then this is crazy. They, still, they had the hardest time understanding this. God dies for us. God dies for us? God came, God with us, okay. But see, Jesus wasn't just walking around saying, me, it's me, it's me, I'm here. <laughs> no, he's healing, he's touching, he's changing, he's doing all this, but not only is he healing, but he comes and he dies for us. He loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. Wow. And they stood at the cross and they stared at it and they thought, I, I, I can't get this. I can't understand. This big reveal is so big. It's so amazing. How, how can this be? But not only is he with us, does he heal us. Not only did he die for us, but oh, you got to understand, he is raised in power. He is raised. He rose from the dead. And they struggled with that one too. They thought, okay, they finally got, he died for us. And then they get to the tomb and they realize, wait a minute, he's not here? And they just go, of course he's not. <laughs> he rose in power and in authority. You have to understand that that's a big reveal. And if you're living your life not with that resurrection understanding and that resurrection spirit in your life, you're missing something. You're missing one of the big reveals. But as much as there is now God is with us, and God heals us, and God died for us, and God uh, raised with us, there's more. There's more. Because a few, uh, about a month or so later, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and it was God in us. God is actually in us. Now, Look at what we've done. We've gone with God becomes man, and he heals us, and then he died for us, and then he rose in power, and now he is actually in us. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and filled everyone with his presence, and they spoke in tongues, and they worshiped, and everyone thought they were crazy, and they were madmen, and everything was going crazy because they, if the world can understand. The world cannot understand the power, and the fact that God is actually in us. Those are the five big reveals. But there's more. There is more. Because it's not only each one of those five, but it's also God is revealed in us. God just didn't fill us. He is seen through us. That's the big reveal. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49. I want you to look at that scripture. It says, just as we have borne the image of the earthly man. In other words, we're from Adam and Eve. We, we carry their nature. We carry their looks. We carry everything about, about what they gave us, right? Just as we were born in the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, of the second Adam. So the first Adam came sinless. God made him sinless, and he gave in to sin, and we bear that. The second Adam came as man. He had to be all man. He had to be all God so that he can be tempted. But instead of falling like the first Adam did, he stood and said, I will not fall. I will not sin. I will not give in, and went all the way to the cross and died on the cross sinless so that you and I and our sins can be forgiven. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing what God can do in our life? You see, we reveal the new nature. We're living the new nature of what God is doing in our life. We are, this, we are from the second Adam. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have a new nature. You are being transformed into his nature in his life, which means we are actually revealing him. 
revealing everything that he uh, is doing in our, in our life, in everything that he's pouring out of us. You see, that's what we're supposed to do, is to be willing to follow his path to reveal him and reveal everything that he's trying to do in our life. I want you to look at John chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to walk through a, a little bit of John to help us understand. And you see, what Jesus did, now you're going to love this. <laughs> this is crazy. But he says, what Jesus did, what did Jesus do? Jesus turned the water to wine. We all know that story. We all, you know, hope that happens every night. No, we, we love that story. Water to wine. Okay, so water to wine was the first sign, because it was the first miracle he did, through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So they believed because he did the miracles. They believed him because what they were doing. He turned water to wine. He revealed the power. He revealed God's love, and they believed. And so now here we are in our sixth big reveal about we have to reveal Christ. And you say, wait a minute, Greg. What are you saying? I can turn water to wine? Yes. And some of you are really excited, and some of you are just totally confused. <laughs> yes, you can. Maybe not in the way that you think. Jesus took something that was plain and simple and made it beautiful and fulfilling and incredible. And we can turn water to wine, or we can turn the hungry into the fed, or we can turn the hopeless into living hope with what we do by revealing Christ. Because what we do when we do these things, when we care for these people, when we pour out, we are actually revealing Christ so that they believe in him. They have to believe. You have someone around you that's just not believing. I'm just not going to believe. I'm just not going to believe. They need to see Christ in you. They need to see that Christ can pour through you. You see, we need to reveal. We are the next big thing. You get it? You are the next revelation. You are the next big reveal. You're it. We've had all these others. Now it's you. And if you're saying, wow, then we're in trouble. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen how this works. Understand, because we are to reveal only what Christ has already given us or what Christ has already pulled in, into our hearts. You see, we are to reveal his passion for the outcast, his passion, his love for those that nobody wants. So Jesus heals a blind man. He was blind from birth, and everyone was astonished because not only that he was healed, but that Jesus would heal him. And you say, well, why would that be? Because in those days, they believed very, really strongly. And the disciples probably thought the same thing, is that if a child was born blind, it was because of the sin of the father or the sin that this child was going to do, that God was punishing them. So this person from day one was rejected, born blind, so from the moment he was born, he was rejected by all society, by everyone, just cast out. So Jesus goes to him, the outcast, and heals him and, and restores his eyes, and he sees, which is this incredible miracle, someone who's been uh, able to see and blind. And then for whatever surgery we have now, they put eyes in and things like that. They have a recovery because they have to figure out what they're looking at. But someone, if they've done that to that was born blind, it's almost impossible because their brain has never seen anything. Trees look like men. Men look like trees. They, they can't tell the difference. They can't distinguish. The brain has to, has to figure that out. So when Jesus healed this man, he healed all of him. <laughs> he healed him, his ability to see and his ability to understand. That's incredible. 
So, so what happened is that the religious leaders who didn't like Jesus came to him and started questioning him and started to, to put the same thing on him that had always been there. You're, you're no good. You're a sinner. You were born a sinner. And so it, uh, in John chapter 9, verse 34, it's just a very simple little verse. But it just always hits me in the heart every single time. They threw him out. And people around you feel thrown out. They feel like the world chewed them up and spit them out. They feel like they're not worthy enough or good enough, that they can't ever do it. These are the people sometimes that come smiling in your work that are feeling like everything is good. You know, you would look at it, you would never guess. And the inside they feel like an outcast. They feel like they're empty on the inside. Here's the powerful part of this story as we move on from into chapter 10, is that it, the Bible says that Jesus heard that he was thrown out, and he went and sought him. Jesus. You see, sometimes I think we have the attitude, God, bring it. No, okay. Or we do these fleeces. Okay, God, if he jumps up and yells up and down and waves a sign, then, then I'll help him. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? We put out these fleeces and say, well, God, you do this, you do that. But, it, you know, and, and we just go on our way. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus stopped what he was doing. His ministry, his calling, everything that you think it is, and went to find him. <laughs> I got to find him. I got to find him. Jesus is still seeking. Jesus is still seeking. But if we're going to reveal Jesus, then so must we. How often do we just say, well, God, if you do it, if you bring him by me, that's good. But I'm not going to find him. I'm not going to seek him. He sought him out. He came to him and said, hey, do you believe in the Messiah? And he says, I don't even know this Messiah. Who is this Messiah? And he goes, me. <laughs> I'm the Messiah. Big reveal. You see, life is always about these big reveals over and over. And he says, I believe. Jesus sought him out. The question is, who are you seeking? What are you seeking? Gifts? Can't wait till Christmas. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> Feel that tree. And I want this one or this one. Or, watch, giving. I feel so much better because I can give. That's good, too. Well, what are you seeking? What are you, peace? Relief? Healing? What are you seeking? The Bible says that wise men still seek him. Wise men seek him, and I think that's true. But I want to add that godly men seek others. We should seek God. But God, people that reveal Jesus to others means that we should be willing to seek others, to find them, the outcasts, the unloved, the uncaring, the ones we want to ignore, the one that's going to be a pain. Don't be all righteous on me. You know what I'm talking about. The ones that are just too much. Those are the ones that we should seek. Those are the ones that God's calling us to. You see, our reveal also has to be his path of sacrifice and love. His path of sacrifice and love. And you say, well, what is that about? Immediately after this story in chapter 10, Jesus starts talking about, I am the gate. I am the shepherd. I am the way. Over and over. And people have, this is a reveal, and people are having a hard time with this. and think, oh, man. You know, because people believe Jesus is the way, but maybe not the only way. Maybe there's another way to God, and maybe God is really over all these religions, and that you could do a different, different way to get there as long as you are sincere, as long as you feel good. A lot of people believe that. Jesus said, I am the only way. 
I'm the way, the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through me, except through this gate, except through me as their shepherd. That's what Jesus lays out. That's what Jesus said. So he's laying all this out. Now, this is really hard for uh, the, uh, the Pharisees to understand and everything that's going on. But this is what's fascinating. And maybe you know the Scripture. Maybe you heard it before. Right in the middle of all this teaching, Jesus says, you know, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life. So seeking him, meat brings life, okay? So he lays all that out, and we know that scripture. Think, yeah, that's right, the enemy, bad, bad. Kill, steal, destroy. God, good. <laughs> but you got to get the context of what's going on because immediately he starts talking, almost immediately after saying that verse, he starts talking about something strange. Like, how does this even fit in? Because he starts to talk about someone who's hired to do the work. And look what he says in John 10, and, and I put verses 12 and 13 together. It says, the hired one abandons the sheep and runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. And immediately we start thinking, yeah, those pastors, yeah, pastors. But you know, in this context, he's not talking about pastors. You know what he's talking about? You, you, us. Are we having a hireling spirit that says, when it's easy, when it's good, when everything's good, when the pastor loves me, when the pastor preaches good messages, but if he does a bad one, I'm out of here. Or if he makes me do something, I don't want to do that anymore, I'm out of here. Or people don't love me, they, people don't care about me, or people don't really honor me, or whatever, and all of a sudden we're out, we're over, we're done. It's, when it's, all of a sudden, when it's not easy, the hireling says, I'm out of here. The hireling says, I don't want to pay this price. The hireling says, I'll serve and I'll stay and I'll be here until it's not easy. And then when it's not easy, I'm over. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. I don't want anything else. But see, Jesus had a really different way of looking at this. He laid down his life and said, okay, I'm going to lay down my life. Jesus didn't run away. He went up the path to the cross and died and said, that's how you reveal me. What? What? That's how I reveal him? Did you see the story? I read the story with just such fascination. I think it came out yesterday and stuff about Casper. Did you hear about, did you read about Casper? Casper is a sheepdog in Georgia. Who knew they had sheepdogs in Georgia? But more than that, Casper was out in the field with the sheep and a band or a, a group of, of coyotes came. They estimate with the footprints and everything, probably about 12 of them. 12 coyotes. Did you know there were roving bands of coyotes? <laughs> I knew that about Georgia. Anyway, if you're not from Georgia, it's all good. Don't, don't hate me. So coyotes come and attack the sheep. And Casper, the sheepdog fought them and fought them, and he killed eight of them. But when they got there, he was gone. And they thought maybe he got dragged off, maybe he went off to die. He gave everything. About the next day later, here comes Casper. <laughs> here he comes. Here he comes. Casper's coming in. He's coming in to just saying, hey, I did my job. <laughs> and everyone was just amazed. And I, I listened to, I read that story, and I thought, God, make me more like Casper, the sheepdog, and not Casper, the ghost. Because sometimes I think we ghost God. Come on, listen to me. We just ghost, we just say, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. It's easy. It's, I mean, it's not, it's, too e it's not easy enough. It's too hard, whatever, we're done. And Jesus said, if you're going to reveal me, 
If you're going to reveal who I am, then take that path. People ask me, Lisa and I have been married 37 years. Wow. 37 amazing years. Just incredible marriage, raising incredible children. God has been faithful. And people ask me, Greg, how do you, how do you stay married in a loving relationship for 37 years? I'll tell you. I remember when Lisa and I were just dating, and if you saw the picture, <laughs> it would be the opposite of what I just described. Her back was to me. We're sitting on the couch, and my back was to her, and I was mad at her because she's doing stupid stuff, and she's mad at me because I was doing stupid stuff. How many know that's what happens? And we're just like that. I'm thinking, I'm going to just say, well, let's take a break. You know, if there was a word ghost then, I would have said it. I'm, you know, I'm going to just be gone. And that's what I felt like. But something inside me just said, no, no. And I turned around and I said, Lisa, I love you. I'll always love you, and I'm not going anywhere to that effect. I'm here. And if you want to know why we've been married 37 years and how to have a great marriage is do that. You say, well, what, Greg, just stick it out, even though it's hard? Just stick it out? Just fight it out? Is that, is that, is that what it is? No, no, no. Don't do that. Love it out. <laughs> Give yourself away. Lay down the path of sacrifice. And you build, will build the biggest, strongest relationship you ever had. And that's how we serve God. That's how we live for God. That's how we reveal Christ to others is to completely lay it out and say, God, not my will. Not my will, not my vision, not my dream, not my giving, not my desires, not my thinking, not my way, not my will. Yours be done. You will reveal Christ and change the world around you. Here's my last thought. See, we need to reveal your place of acceptance. Your place of acceptance. Because right after that, I love this, I love this verse. I, okay. I know I say that with every verse, but I love God's Word. But I love this because it just is so profound. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication. You could just hear it. <laughs> then came the festival of dedication. You're thinking, and? What does that do? It doesn't mean anything to us. You know what that is? Hanukkah. You know what Hanukkah means? To dedicate. To cleanse. You see, this is one of... Um, there's three uh, uh, desolation of uh, uh, abominations in the Bible, or the, the, the last one is talked about. The first one was about 170 uh, B.C. when Antiochus came in <laughs> and to the temple and desecrated it and set up uh, his own statue, the statue of Zeus. That's what he did, the statue of Zeus in the temple. And the Maccabeans came in and they said and revolted and cleansed the temple, and that's how you get Hanukkah. The, in those days, and, and when they were writing the Bible, they call it the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the dedication, the festival of dedication, when the temple was cleansed. So at this time, at this celebration, in this holiday, Jesus walks in, and the Pharisee says, please just tell us, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Don't, don't, don't mince words anymore. Just tell us, are you it? And you know what they were asking? Will you come and cleanse out these Romans that are just beating us up. Will you come and cleanse out our temple? Will you come to do that? You know what Jesus does? Yes, I will. But not in a way that they could hear because he said, I'm with the Father and the Father is with me. And because I am God, I will cleanse your sins. And they go, what, what, what? No, no, no. Temple, Romans, come on. 
And the more he said it, the more they frustrated him. So they pick up stones to, to stone him. And he says, are you stoning them because I do good works? Are you trying to stone me because I do good works? They go, no, 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 because you said you're God. And he goes on and says, yes, I'm God, because only God can cleanse your temple. Don't you get it? And they tried to stone him again. And the Bible says he just slipped away. But you know where he went? To the other side of Jordan, where John the Baptist, who was dead at this point, already given his life, used to baptize and talk about repentance and talk about Jesus. He went over to that side where, where they believe at this point there were people that were gathering, that were hurting, the, the lost, the rejected, the fearful, the worried. All, the, all those were there. And, and look at it says how this whole chapter ends in verse 42. He says, and in that place, many believed in Jesus. In that place. In that place. What place was that? It was a place of acceptance. Jesus, I accept you. I accept you as God. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Many believed. Many saw the miracles. Many, 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 many saw it. About 70 or probably at this time, 40 years later, in 70 A.D., Titus, the emperor, comes into the temple and desecrates and destroys it, tears it all down, and sets up a statue of himself in the, where the temple was. And Jesus speaks of one more abomination of desolation in Revelation. I wish I could talk more about it. I love, I love for people to understand how God's peace is there. We don't have to worry about some of these things we're fearful of. But in that desolation, he says, there will be a creeping of the enemy to come and to kill and steal and destroy. And the temple will be filled once more with false idols. But this is not a rebuilt temple. This isn't another temple in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. You're the temple. You're the temple of God. And so what it's talking about is in the last days, the enemy will try to come in. Oh, man, I thought I would go the whole service without knocking it off. I'm just so excited about what I'm about to say. <laughs> that in the last days, the enemy will come in. And he'll set up false statues and desecrate your temple. Well, what false statue? What idol will we set up? yourself because that's that is our temptation the idol of us the idol of I'll serve me I'll live for me I'll do that there's a place of acceptance where you have to surrender where you say God not my will not my desire but yours and give it to Christ and that is a reveal when people see that when people see your life when they go Wow, I want that. What is that? And you say, I'm just revealing Jesus' path, Jesus' place, and you can have it in your life as well. There's one more big reveal coming when he comes back. <laughs> and I cannot wait for that moment. I don't fear it. I don't worry about it because he's coming back for me. He's coming back for you. You receive God's word this morning. Come on. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God help us. 
to reveal you in us. To not just think it's over and it's done. But God, you came in us to be revealed to this world around us. God, help us to love. Help, help us to forgive. Help us to seek the outcast. Help us to find, Father, your path of sacrifice, even when it's not easy, and be willing to serve you, Lord. And God, I pray that for every single person here. And God, if there is a single person in the sound of my voice, watching online or watching in the future or in this room that has not brought themselves to that place of acceptance, God, I pray right now in the power and in the love and in the mercy and the grace and truth of Jesus that they'll just accept you. And if you're in that place, I want you to just pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord in my Savior. I accept you as my whole life and I give you everything. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.